What are we? Children of God. Lord, I, this reality, man, I, I need to be reminded of it every single day. Because so quickly, I, I want to go and start chasing after my core identity and, and what I can do, what I can accomplish, what I can achieve. Instead of looking and remembering, no, you don't call me to work for those things, but from my identity as a child of God. And so, Lord, I pray that as we open your word, that that reality will just sink in. God, that you begin to break off those chains and those expectations and all these things that we carry on a regular basis you've never given us to carry. And that we can learn to work and live and have relationships from that place of being sons and daughters of yours. Lord, the thing that boggles my mind is I can never exhaust your love. No matter how many times I keep coming back to you with the same struggles, the same guilt, the same whatever, like you keep opening your arms with grace to receive us. The Psalms say, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is your steadfast love for us. That just as the galaxies seem to be without end, so is your love for us. And so God, instead of pretending like we can wrap our minds around it, we just receive it. And I ask that you, as we receive it, Lord, that uh, you affirm to each person in this room who they are. And if there's anybody here who doesn't know you, God, that you'll draw them and show them this invitation to be a part of your family is open to them too. Now open up our hearts and our minds to be able to hear and receive all continually what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys may have a seat at least for a little while. Um, how's everybody doing? Yeah, it's good to see you guys today. What a joy it is to worship with you. Um, and uh, we're going we're gonna to jump right back in, but exactly what we're just singing about, we're going to talk about. Um, we're going to really dive into today as we continue in our sermon series um, leading up to Good Friday and Easter called Truly Free. Truly Free. Now, in this series, uh, we've been talking about what it means and looks like to live as the free people that God made us to be. And even though we are in week five of this series, believe it or not, I still think it's worth, before we jump in, just clarifying again what Jesus and the New Testament authors mean by this word freedom. Because I don't know anybody who doesn't like the word freedom, but we don't all, we don't all mean the same thing by it. You know, for example, we may call ourselves free, but what we really mean is that we're just free of any sort of external restraints that keep us, hold us back from doing what we want to do. For example, we got a babysitter for the night, so Shelby and I are free, right? Like that, not exactly what Jesus, but what Jesus is talking about here is more of freedom is, is the ability to live, really thrive as the human beings that God intended us to be. Or second, we may think of freedom as a political or social idea. And in America, we love, we're all about this. In the land of the free, we hold that word out. We hold it out because, man, we love it. 
And the freedoms we share, man, are such a tremendous blessing, but the freedom that Jesus talks about here is an internal reality of the heart, the mind, the soul. It's a freedom that only Christ can give, and it's available to anybody, no matter where you live or what country you call home. And so throughout this series, we've not only been asking what does freedom mean, but also what limits us, holds us back from joyfully embracing the freedom God wants for us. And so we saw all the way back in week one, what limits us? Well, it's, it's the, it's, we bought in or we believed certain lies about reality. So week two, we talked about the lies of discontent. If you just had more money, if you had more food, you have more pleasure, you had more fill in the blank, then you will be satisfied. You will be free from that desire within us. But we never are. So week three, we talked about, too, the lies of anxiety. That I'm going to be at peace from anxiety when I am finally in control, when everyone is healthy, when fill in the blank. Or last week, talked the lies of bitterness or resentment, which we said the lie is revenge is freedom. Holding a grudge makes somebody pay. Forgiveness makes us a doormat. (laughs) But Jesus said back in John 8 to follow him in his way. And he says, if you do that, you will know the truth and his truth will set us free. So that's a review of where we've been briefly But this week, today, we're going to talk about a different lie. We're going to shine the light of truth on another lie that acts like a hundred-pound sack on the backs of our souls, and it's this. That if you just keep performing or striving, eventually you'll measure up and be good enough. If you just keep working, keep striving, eventually you'll measure up and you'll be good enough. I've talked to students And it's always about one more accomplishment, striving anxiously, one more accomplishment. Athletes, one more win. At work, it's one more promotion. It's just one more pay raise. Or or maybe for us, like, I just need one more person to like me. One more person to approve of me. Or if I just lose a little bit more weight, then I'll reach that standard of beauty. If I just had a few more social media followers, if I just had a blue check mark by my name, then I will be enough. And I found that those are often the things that, that I hear asked, especially in the first half of life. But then those later in life, you often hear the flip side, but it's the same coin. If only I had. Does that sound familiar to anybody? If only I had done that. If only I had done that. And at the end of many people's lives, they begin wondering, was it enough? Was I good enough? Did I do enough? That regret is oftentimes the flip side of the same coin. See, there's always a summit to reach, a standard to climb. No time for rest. It's not freedom. And living this way is often like, like climbing a stairmaster at the gym. You guys have seen these things? You know these? Yeah, the things like you just keep climbing and the stairs just keep coming and you never actually go anywhere. (laughs) Which, I mean, at the gym, great for the glutes and the calves, right? But you never reach the top. It's never good enough. And yet this is the way many of us live our lives. 
that we just keep climbing, chasing after a standard that we can never seem to reach, or after we think that, ah, it's too late for me to reach that, and now we live under the weight of the burden that, why didn't I do more? And we just keep climbing. But why do we do this to ourselves? Anxiously striving, but never content. Perhaps it's because that's all we've ever known. Or perhaps that's because that's exactly what was preached over you by your parents and your teachers growing up. Or perhaps it's because, just be frank, our pride kind of likes the idea that we can reach the goal on our own. But with compassion and love, God invites us to a different way of life, a way of freedom in Christ. And to understand this freedom, we're going to turn together to Galatians chapter 5, 1 to 12. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to Christians across a region in modern-day Turkey called Galatia. And way back on his first missionary journey, uh, Paul traveled to different cities all throughout Galatia, sharing the the good news, the gospel of Jesus with both Jews and non-Jews. To every town, he shared that Jesus was God's Messiah, God's Savior, who died to forgive their sin and rose from the dead. And if they believe that, they will belong to God on the basis of faith alone. But sometime after Paul left, a group of false teachers came in and spread the lie that Jesus is not enough. Yeah, yeah, believe in Jesus, sure, they said, But you also have to perform the Jewish ritual called circumcision. Faith is not enough. You're still not good enough. You hear that? And so Paul, without holding much back, wrote this letter to uncover the lie that it would only lead to their bondage and speak the truth for their freedom. So let's dig in together. All right, Galatians chapter 5 starting at verse 1. This is Paul talking. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither, for, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I'm confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will have to pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for those agitators, I wish that they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. (laughs) All right. (laughs) In essence, Paul's saying... If you think that you need to be circumcised to be good enough, you're going to realize that's not good enough, so why don't you just go all the way? (laughs) A little spicy, Paul, right? But before we jump in, let's pray. God, 
Give us understanding into your word. But not just understanding in our heads, God. I, I just pray that your truth will set us free today. That if there's any, any of us here who are still trying to be good enough on our own, who are trying to climb the mountain of our own achievements to reach you on our own, God, that we'll see that that is, we never will, but we don't have to. That you, Christ, have done enough. So God, may you transform our minds, our hearts, and our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we prepare to dig into God's or to Paul's words, God's words, I, I want to pause for a moment just, just for you to consider. Don't answer out loud, but like, how are you doing? And I don't mean like how's life, but more of like underneath the surface of all you're doing, all you're going, how are you? Some may say it at the soul level, how are you? We may be so used to just saying, good, 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 that we don't stop to actually pay attention to what's here, right? But I find that when I sit down with someone long enough to actually say, how are you doing? That oftentimes the answer I get is tired. And it's not just I need some more sleep tired, but more like I'm so tired that I'm struggling to care. I'm struggling to find the motivation. I feel burned low. My tank is empty. That's so common. Why? What is it that often leads us to that place of just being so burned low? What is a common reason for it? If you relate with that, then perhaps you resonate with this. I know I certainly do, and I have been here. That underlying our drive to measure up is this gnawing sense that we're never good enough. Now, it's certainly good to do our best and to work hard in life. But sometimes we're not running toward excellence as much as we're trying to run away from this burning sense of inadequacy or guilt. The cultural icon, Madonna is one of the most successful artists of all time, but in an interview with Vanity Fair, she spoke of her own drive like this. Get that up on the screen. She says, All of my will has always been to conquer some horrible feeling of inadequacy. I'm always struggling with that fear. My drive in life is from this horrible fear of being mediocre. And that's always pushing me, pushing me. Because even though I've become somebody, I still have to prove that I'm somebody. My struggle has never ended, and it probably never will. Did you catch that? Inadequacy, prove I'm somebody. Be a great person, rise to the top, be in shape, crush your goals, be enough. That's the Stairmaster way of approaching life. And is it freedom? No. But if we are used to living on a Stairmaster, then we'll try to climb our way to God too. And this is exactly what started happening within the church in Galatia. That because of some Paul calls agitators who had slithered their way into the church, many Christians began believing that in order to be justified with God, fully right with God, to belong to God, that you not only need to believe in Jesus, but men also have to go through this religious ritual of circumcision too. 
Because for many Jews in that day, they believed that circumcision wasn't just a small physical operation. It was a necessary condition to be part of the people of God. And now that these Christians have come to faith in Christ, they're saying, no, 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 no. Christ is not enough. And that by requiring it, these false teachers were saying that faith alone and Christ alone not enough. Therefore, you are not good enough. If you want to belong to God, you need Jesus plus this other religious requirement. And many Galatian Christians bought that lie. Why? Because like many of us, even after trusting in Jesus, they still felt like more should be required to be enough. And I find that we tend to arrive at that place of not feeling like we're enough from from a couple different directions. Maybe you relate with one of these. That for some people today, we don't feel like we're enough because our assumption is, is that we are bad, God is mad, so we need to be better. And this view draws support from parts of the Bible where God appears angry and spiteful at human beings who mess up. And so it's our job to, to, to get going, get busy, keep God happy. So, you should go to church. You should give your money. You should be a good person. You should try not to sin. And hopefully, keyword, in the end, God will let you into heaven. And many Galatian Christians fell for that view. Christ died to forgive your sin, yes, but now it's your job to be circumcised, to be a good person, to be right with God. God did his thing. Now you got to do your thing, and hopefully it works out in the end. And when this view spreads itself into the church, it begins to spread out like yeast through dough. Our preaching begins focusing mainly on moral behavior. Well, you should do this. You shouldn't do that. Like, what are you doing doing that? And we become a people who are focused on outward behavior, not the inward heart. And what becomes the gospel, quote unquote, is that do good, don't sin, God will be happy. Does that sound like good news? But underneath all of that still is the heavy question, am I good enough? So some believe we're bad, God's mad, so be better. But I found that most people today assume something different. They assume something more like we as human beings are mostly good. God is there somewhere, so be better. Today, there's a whole lot of faith in human goodness and our ability to measure up. Yeah, human, no one's perfect, but if we're not perfect, it's really the result of our harmful environment or our external forces that are holding us back. Because at our core, we're all good people. So if we try hard enough, we can act as good people and we can live up to the moral standard. Go people, right? <laughs> but when this view creeps into our churches, we're going to preach God loves you. But instead of preaching sinners in desperate need of Christ, Christianity becomes about good people becoming better. And the gospel, God helps you become a better person. And guys, I say this because I've literally, like, if not word for word, nearly heard that exact thing from people who have come to church for decades. They've assumed that this is the gospel. God helps me become a better person. But I also find that if this view has creeped into churches, then then acknowledging, confessing, even talking about sin, it's considered offensive, judgmental, even a little self-righteous. 
And I believe one of the reasons why Paul says the cross is offensive is because, frankly, our pride, my pride, would love to believe that I can do this on my own, that I'm good enough. But still, even with this view, the onus to be better, to measure up, is still on us. So honestly, can we? And when the drive to measure up proves impossible, and for all of us at some point it will, it becomes a burden we cannot escape. And so what do the two views I just mentioned have in common? That whether they think that human beings are inherently sinful or good, the burden is still on us to measure up, so can we? Well, long before this letter to the Galatians, God uh, freed the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And he, gave, he brought them out, called them his people, and gave them his law. Think Ten Commandments, right? It's, it's the moral standard of God. If you live up to this law, then, then, then you will live up to the holiness of God. And this is the vision of what it means to flourish as human beings. So the law gave God's people the standard for how to be his holy people. But try as they might... God's people just couldn't get there. They couldn't obey it. They they were religious. They did all the religious rituals and the things, but the thing that kept holding them back is that their their heart didn't really love God. They kept loving themselves way more than God. And because of that, they could not attain to obey the law. And even though the law was a good thing, when we disobey a law, what happens? What happens? It doesn't about face, and it starts to condemn us. And when we disobey God's moral standard, it's not because something is wrong with him or his law, but it's evidence that something is wrong in us. And Paul says it's not just the Israelites then. He says it's the state of every human heart. And without any hint of self-righteousness, Paul, speaking of himself, he says, <laughs> he says, I know the law better than anybody, he says, but despite my desire to do good, he says, my heart keeps returning to the evil that I do not want to do. He says, I'm not pointing the finger. He says, I see it in me. And as he sees God's law, his standard, but trying to reach it on his own is just like climbing a stairmaster. He just can't get there. And I too, I've seen the pride in my own heart. And I've seen the ways that, man, I love my kids. I love my family. I love them so deeply. But I've, and because I love them, and I only want to love, but then I see in myself my own pride, my own impatience, my own selfishness, coming up short of loving them in the way that I want. And I think, oh, I'm going to work real hard to try to beat this pride on my own. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do all of these things for them, and I'm going to try to try to make it up to them, and I'm going to try to do the things in order to try to fix the problems that I have and fix myself, but I just keep finding myself unable to get out of my own way. And this is exactly what Paul refers to in Galatians 5.1 when he says, this is the yoke of slavery. That no matter how hard we may try on our own, we can't undo what we have already done. That we may still go to church and, and give money and protect the environment and adopt puppies and do all these types of things we think are good, but yet the door is still, we can't find our way to God. We're still climbing that stairmaster in here. So despite all 
that we do. And exhausting, we're trying to work there. Paul is saying, whoa, whoa, whoa. Whether you get circumcised or not, whether you try to obey the whole law or not, you still bear the guilt for the wrong done, the good not done, and it's still a stairmaster trying to get your way to God. Then what then, Kirk? So what are you saying? So, so I'm sinful, God's mad, so be better? I mean, it feels like that's where we're going. No, it's not. Because that's not good news. Now comes the true good news. Because when we get honest, yes, our hearts are driven by far more pride, selfishness, and sin than we may want to admit. But that wasn't the reason for God to remain far up and away. That is exactly the reason why he came. And here's the gospel. Come on, everybody. That when we could never measure up, Christ took on our burden at the cross to set us free. What's the gospel? That when we were once like slaves striving to live up to God's standard on our own and burdened under the realization that we're still not good enough, Christ came. The difference between us and him, that he measured up. He was enough. He is the one who deserves the highest glory. He is the heaven's king. All praise belongs to him, yet... He chose the lowest place, the place of a slave. He went to a criminal's cross in our place. And even though we've walked away from God, we've coldly ignored him, we've hurt others, even though we've tried as hard as we can and we keep finding ourselves wanting to be better but still falling down, not being able to serve and love the way we want to, on that Good Friday Our spotless Lord, the faithful witness, suffered and gave up his life with the words, it is finished. That with his life, our debt of sin was paid. What more is required for you to be justified with God? Nothing. Sin was the barrier between us and God, and if God came in the flesh himself to forgive it, what remains between us? Nothing. And the moment you believe and receive that Christ's work on the cross is enough to forgive your sin and restore you to God, you are free. You are free. You are free. Right? Free. And as Paul emphasized, that when Christ sets you free from this burden, it's actually so that you could be free. Be free. And because he's enough, There's nothing to add to Christ's work to be right with God. Not circumcision, thank the Lord. Not religious ritual, not good deeds. It's all by God's grace. And the only thing that remains, what will you choose? Will you continue to try to live and work as if it all depends on you, the way of the law? Or will you receive the gift of grace that God has so richly lavished on you in Christ, the way of freedom? Because Paul makes it clear here in Galatians 5 that just as you can't turn right and left at the same time, you can't choose the stairmaster and believe Christ's work is enough. So what will it be? Always living under the burden that we're not enough or choosing to believe that when we were not enough, the cross of Christ is enough and because of that he declares us enough. Do we live the life of a slave always trying to please the master or the life of a son 
and daughter, secure in the heavenly Father's love. Because when Christ liberated us, it was so that by faith in his grace, you could run light and free without looking back. The Stairmaster life is about human achievement, the way of law, works, bondage. The way of Christ, it's about what he achieved. The way of grace, faith, freedom. And for those living the way of Christ, Paul says to us, he says, all right, so stand firm then. Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Or down in verse 7, he says, man, you guys were running a good race. You were light and free. You had your eyes on Jesus fixed on him, and you were going. You were trucking. There was nothing. But all of a sudden, these teachers started coming, telling you that you were not enough. And he started looking sideways at these standards that they were putting up, standards they were putting up. And he started carrying their stuff with you, and he started getting sidetracked. What happened to the race you were running? You allowed yourselves to be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. He says, stand firm. Drop it. That's not, God did not give that for you to carry. And so then I often find that people ask, okay, well, well the way of freedom. If I'm free and I, and I no longer need to prove myself, then what drives me now? You know, I've lived in so much of my life driven by the fear that I'm not measuring up, that I'm not good enough. So many times I've gotten up here and preached, and I'm like, I need to crush it again this week so that I can validate my existence. <laughs> Little extreme, but you get the idea, right? And we live this way. And then once we realize that, no, we've been set free, that he calls us enough, like, well, what drives us now? Well, as free people, we do not live for acceptance, but from our identity as God's children. From our identity. At first, we stand firm as free people as we live from God's love. What counts now, Paul? He says, faith expressing itself through love. You hear that lie, you're not enough. God says, you are loved. You are loved. You are loved. I call you my own. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're called a child of God. And as a child of God, you are already accepted. And so that we learn to live from or out of something far stronger than fear, and that's the love of God. Second, we not stand firm as free people as we live from God's love and from God's spirit. Paul said here in verse five, it is through the spirit that we live out God's design for us. Because after all, he said in another letter to the Corinthians, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. You guys know that verse. That where the spirit of God dwells within us, that is what empowers us so that God may do his work in and through us by his spirit, not by our strength. And last, we, we, from God's love, from God's spirit, and we stand firm as free people as we live from God's hope. Because of what Christ did, we can be sure that our eternity is secure. And he said in verse 5, look at it again, for through the spirit... We eagerly await by faith. It doesn't say we anxiously work by our good works, right? <laughs> eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. If you have trusted in Christ, you are united with his spirit. 
If you're united with his spirit, that means you're united with God himself. And if you're united with God himself right now, what's eternity? Always with him. This is the righteousness for which we hope. The only thing that can change our eternity is if Christ himself went back into the grave. But he's alive. Forever alive. And our hope is secure because of what he has done. And as free people, we live from his love, his spirit, his hope. That Christ liberated us from the burden to measure up so that we'd run freely as his people and never look back. So, Paul says, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Let me end with this. During World War II, a U.S. general named Jonathan Wainwright was was captured in Japan and, and taken to a concentration camp. And in that concentration camp, he was cruelly treated. I mean, he became a broken, crushed, hopeless, starving man. But finally, after the Japanese surrendered, a U.S. Army colonel wanted himself to go to the camp to report to the general that he was free and in control. And when Wainwright heard the news, he returned to his quarters where the same guards tried to mistreat him as they had done in the past. This time, however, after the news of the victory of Gen- after the news of the victory, General Wainwright declared with authority, "No. I am in command here, and these are my orders. And if you belong to Christ, the great liberator, Everything has changed. You are not a slave any longer. You are a child of God. And when, all those old, all, when you're running and you're free and all those old voices start trying to get you to point to this mountain of success and that mountain of, of beauty and that mountain of popularity and that mountain of whatever, we can say no because we recognize and we declare that I am enough because he is enough. And when the lies of inadequacy try to get us to focus within to all the areas where we fall short and, where, and coerce us. You need to get back on that stairmaster. We say no, and we look again to Jesus who made us right with God because you are free, you are free, you are free. Yes. And if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you don't know what this freedom is, man, you can today. We're going to sing a final song in a moment. I just encourage you. Giving your life to Jesus, it's not a complicated thing. It's, because it's a relationship with God, it begins with a, with a prayer, a conversation. Where first, we just admit, admit, yeah, God, I've fallen short. God already knows that. But sometimes we need to get on. He wants to wait and see if we'll get honest with ourselves. We say, God, yeah, I've sinned. I've messed up. But after we admit, we receive. But God, I receive what you did for me in Christ. I receive the fact that I am forgiven because of what you did. And after we admit, receive, we thank him that he's forgiven you, that you are right with God, you are free. So I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, you can do that even now. Just you and God, as we sing this final song, you can do it then.
This is, this is a time for you and God, that Christ liberated us from the burden to measure up so that we run freely as his people and never look back. Amen, everybody. Stand up. Let's pray before we sing this final song. Lord, thank you that you have, that you have taken us off the Stairmaster. And God, if there's anybody in here who, man, they are feeling exhausted, weary, struggling to find the motivation to keep going because they've been trying to live and chase after all these standards that you never gave them to go after. God, I pray that you will make it clear to them right now that they are loved, they are loved, they are loved. And that you're calling to them, inviting them to be a part of your family, to be called your child. And God, I pray for all of us. Sometimes, even when we've given our lives to you, it's easy to forget. It's easy to start listening to all the voices around us instead of listening to yours, and we start trying to measure up again. God, I, we, we confess that to you if we've, if we've fallen down that road again. And I pray, God, that you lift off those burdens that everybody else tries to put on us or we've taken on ourselves, that we might be able to run light and free in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.